Welcome to the radio program, Why Paul? Bringing and interpreting the doctrine Jesus Christ presented through the Apostle Paul. Your hosts are Michael R. Mix, Michelle Mix, and Pamela Lampton of 14th Street Ministries. We are here to bring you the answers found in 2 Timothy, verse 2, and encourage you to teach and share this program with others. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Mix, Michelle Mix, and Pamela Lampton. Hi, welcome back. I uh, hope everybody's uh, keeping safe and warm uh, with all this um, weather we have, uh, snow and everything. I'm your host, Michelle Mix. And I'm your host, uh, Michael Mix. I'm your host, Pam Lampton. And I'm also your host, David Reed. All right, and welcome back, everyone. And it looks like today we'll be uh, continuing uh, timeline questions. Um, uh, but, Michael, did you have something first that you wanted to go over? Um. I'd like for David to pray before we get started. Okay. Would. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. We thank you for this broadcast. We thank you that it is able to reach people around the world. We pray, Lord, that it would reach those you see fit to reach. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you that it is perfect and preserved. And we pray that this time spent would be glorifying to you. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. 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 We would like to uh, speak to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering persecution for the name, for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are, we are, uh, you are in our hearts, one body in Christ, and you are not alone. I'd like to read, um, Pam, Pamela, would you read um, 2 Se- Corinthians 4, 3 through 7, please? Yeah. Okay. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not of ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give them light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And I'd like to uh, continue on in uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 18. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not despair persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in our bodies the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our mortal body. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believed, and there we speak. Knowing that he, which raised up the Lord Jesus, shall raise us up also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sake, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many rebound, to the glory of God. 
for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but up for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look at not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And uh, let this be to the glory of God in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right. Uh, so um, we'll be looking again at that those timelines, um, and we'll um, go ahead and start with our questions. Okay. okay. Let's see. Um, I have a question. When did Paul receive revelations? So we'll look at two passages. Look with me at Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations, plural, of the Lord. So when people think about the issue of when did Paul receive the revelation he received, Paul specifically tells us that he received revelations, plural. It wasn't just simply one. As to the timing, Look with me at Acts 26. So get Acts chapter 26. We do hope everyone follows along in, in their Bible because it's good to look it up for yourself. You can look at the context. It's, it's better to see it with your own eyes than to rely upon someone else to read it to you. Acts 26 verse 14. And when we were all fallen to the earth, this is Paul recounting what previously happened in Acts 9 on the road to, to Damascus. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Now you can clearly see that that's a reference back to Acts 9. But notice the next verse. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, so some things he's already seen, mm-hmm. and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. So even in Acts 9, the Lord Jesus Christ tells Paul, I'm going to be giving you future revelation. 2 Corinthians 12.1 confirms that it was revelations plural. So the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to Paul a number of times and gave him multiple revelations. So he actually appeared to him? Seems that way, yes. Okay. Wasn't in a dream or something like that. It was actually an appearance, right? That's the way I take it because verse 16 specifically says in the which I will appear unto thee. So it Mm -hmm. seems like Mm -hmm. it was uh, more than a single instance. Yes, it does. Okay, good. Thank you. Thanks. I have another question. Um, Why was Paul called an apostle and not a disciple? Good good. good question. Um, So first, let's make sure we understand what the term uh, disciple means. Let's start with that. And so I'll just read this to you from the dictionary. But the first definition, and this is from uh, Webster's 1828, if you care to follow along and look at it. But the first definition of disciple is a learner, a scholar, 
one who receives or professes to receive instruction from another. The second definition is a follower and adherent to the doctrines of another. So when we look at the word disciple, it has two basic meanings. The first is that it's a learner. Mm -hmm. And the second is that it is a follower. Now in scripture, Paul is never said to be a disciple, but for example, did he learn from Jesus Christ? Well, we Mm -hmm. just saw that he did, right? Because the Mm -hmm. Lord Jesus Christ gave him revelations. Look with me at 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1, Paul writes, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So was Paul a follower of Christ? I mean, he he says he was. So we know that Paul learned from Christ, and we know that he was a follower of Christ. He wasn't a disciple in the same way that the disciples were during the Lord's earthly ministry, where they learned about the kingdom program because he received revelation that was different. Uh, We saw last week that Peter and Paul did not preach the same message uh, because the Lord gave them different gospels to preach. So scripture doesn't use the term disciple with regard to Paul, but it's clear, obviously, that Paul did learn from Christ and he was a follower of Christ. But now let's look at the word apostle. So the word apostle, it means a person deputed, to execute some important business, but appropriately a disciple of Christ commissioned to preach the gospel. And when you actually look up the definition uh, of apostle, it's, it's from the Greek word to send away to sent. Now, why do I say all that? Look with me at Acts 22. Acts 22. So what we saw from the dictionary in describing what an apostle is, it's, it's a person that's given to execute some important business, and it's from the Greek word meaning sent. So look at Acts 22, verse 21. And he said unto me, this is again Paul referring back to Acts 9, depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. So was Paul sent He clearly was. The Lord Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ sent him to the Gentiles. And then look with me at Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, verse 13. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. So scripture describes Paul as the apostle of the Gentiles, and that's a very important office. Um, And just for comparison's sake, get Matthew 10, if you would. Get Matthew chapter 10. What many are inclined to believe, what many have been taught, is that Peter and Paul basically have the same ministry. Paul just came along later because he was stubborn, he was persecuting the church, but when he got saved, he did the exact thing is Peter is what people think. But that's not what the scriptures say. Mm -hmm. So look with me at Matthew 10, verse 5. These 12, so this is the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles during the Lord's earthly ministry. These 12, Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles. Well, Paul just said he was the apostle of the Gentiles. He was sent to the Gentiles. Doesn't that tell you that 
Peter's ministry, Peter and the Twelve's ministry, is fundamentally different from Paul's. And Paul was the apostle of the Gentiles. We saw last week that Paul was given the revelation of the mystery, the dispensation of grace, which is the message that we need to teach and preach today. And and so, and we, you know, as we know, our, our show is Why Paul? And you know, we've been talking a lot about Paul, but how do we know that Paul is legit or legitimate? That's great. Get with me, 1 Corinthians 14. This is, a, this is a question that comes up, and there will be many that say they don't like Paul because Paul said this and they don't like it. Or they'll say, well, Paul says something different from what was said elsewhere, so mm-hmm. we can disregard Paul. And if you just pause for a minute, think carefully about what that means. If you throw out Paul, you're throwing out part of the Word of God, right? Because there are 66 books in the Bible. They're all true. None of it is false. There's no errors within it. So, you can't just ignore Paul. Mm -hmm. But the fundamental reason that we know that Paul is legitimate, look with me at 1 Corinthians 14, 37. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. So, is Paul's writings just a bunch of his personal opinions? Were they just things that he made up? Or did Paul write the commandments of the Lord? Well, he wrote the commandments of the Lord. When we were in 1 Corinthians 11 earlier and Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ? Well, the reason we follow Paul, the reason why Paul matters is not because we worship Paul the man. That's not it at all. But we understand that God gave him some information. God gave him the dispensation of grace. God gave him the mystery. God gave him the gospel of grace. And so, since God gave him that information, we need to follow it. We need to believe it. We need to understand that Paul is our apostle for the time period in which we live. His legitimacy is from the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ personally appeared to him, personally gave him revelation, and what Paul recorded was the Lord's commandments. Some people do get offended when you say, I follow Paul as he follows Christ, and they'll say, well, I follow Christ, and then then you you think about Paul, and then you think about Moses. Didn't they follow Moses? Mm -hmm. Didn't the Jews follow Moses? Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. If the Lord says, I want you to follow Paul, and you say, well, I want to follow Christ, and the Lord told you what to do, yeah. you're not being obedient if you do something other than what he told you to do. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Because it is the Word of God, right? So, <laughs> It is. Well, that, okay. that totally makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I have another question. Yeah. Uh, are revelations given to man today? The way that we learn today is through the Word of God. Um, What 2 Timothy 3.16 is all Scripture is profitable, and it's given for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. And why does that matter? Well, if if I want to know something, do I sit and just wait for God to open heaven, and then he'll tell me what he wants to tell me? Well, that's not the way that it works. He reveals information to us as we study the scriptures. God has recorded there what he wants us to know. Look with me at 2 Peter. There's something really fascinating in in 2 Peter. 
chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Now, in those verses, what Peter is referring to is he's referring to the Mount of Transfiguration. And that's where the Lord appears in his kingdom glory. And he appeared to not the 12, but a subset of the 12. My point in telling you all that is that experience is profound. It was the Lord appearing in his kingdom glory, and it was such an exclusive event. It wasn't to all of the disciples. It wasn't to all of the 12. It was just to three of them. If you had to identify significant experiences in all of recorded history, that's up there. That's the Lord Jesus Christ appearing in his kingdom glory. Notice what Peter says in the very, very next verse. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Do you know why the word of God is better than experiences? because memories fade. Have you ever watched something and then later when you tried to recall it, you realize you lost important details, mm-hmm. you've forgotten things, you got confused about something? There are all sorts of videos that have been done where they will show something to witnesses and then they will quiz them on it later and they'll get things completely wrong. Well, God didn't put us in a situation where we have to rely upon someone's observation that's repeated, repeated, repeated. Remember in in grade school when you played the telephone game and you got to the end of the telephone game and nothing was quite right? Mm -hmm. God's given us something better. He's given us the completed written word of God. And so he's not giving revelation today through experience. Right. We learn from the written word of God. Yeah. And, um, and I have a revelation. We have to take a break. uh, But when we come back, we're going to finish with this question. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 14th Street Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. Your donations are most appreciated. You can make donations on our website at 14thstreetministries.com. Our goal is to preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. Our message is to lift the believer, teaching sound doctrine by rightly dividing the word of truth. We are a grace ministry. You can reach out to us by calling 314-243-3779 or by contacting us on the web at 14thstreetministries.com or follow our Facebook page. Look for 14th Street Online Bible Study. We hear just be you a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show. Hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? 
Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. listening to the radio program why paul if you'd like to participate in today's program call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 or send an email to michael r mix at 14th street ministries.com now back to why paul and we're back i'm your host michelle mix i'm your host uh, michael mix i'm your host pam lampton I'm your host, David Reed. All right. And we're back. We're still at that uh, question. Uh, Are revelations given to man today? Yeah. So let me say just a little bit more about that. Um, We learn things from the Word of God. But what the question is getting at is, do we receive personal revelations outside the Word of God? And I believe the answer to that is no, because God has completed His written Word, and that's what He wants us to go by. I will give you as an example, or as, as maybe as a further proof, Romans ten seventeen. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. In other words, all true faith today originates in the Word of God. What what I have found is people often want to go by an experience or an emotion or an impression that they have, but is much, much safer to go by a verse. And so that's what we would encourage everyone to do. Mm -hmm. Good point. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a question and it is, what is the rapture and when will it happen? Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians 4 together. And we'll, we'll look at the chart that's behind Michelle when we get a chance. Um, because if you see right over her left shoulder, you see that big red arrow that goes upward. And that is the event that ends the dispensation of grace, the rapture. And so the the time period in which we live, the dispensation of grace will end with the rapture. Look with me at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, I'm going to comment on that, but turn to 1 Corinthians 15 while you have a chance. Um, What 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us is this. At the end of the dispensation of grace, there's two kinds of people in the body of Christ, those that are alive and those that are dead. And the ones that are dead are already in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's some of the body of Christ that are alive on earth. So what does God do? 
Well, Jesus Christ descends from heaven, and he brings with him those deceased members of the body of Christ. And then those who are alive and remain on the earth, in other words, the people on the earth who are living, who are members of the body of Christ, they're caught up and they meet the Lord in the air. Look with me then at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So the rapture is a quick event. It's in a moment. It's in a twinkling of an eye. And that's when the body of Christ is removed entirely from the earth. Now, if you look behind Michelle again, you see that what happens after the rapture is the dispensation of grace ends, and then the prophetic calendar resumes. In other words, what God did is during the book of Acts, he essentially called a timeout. He said, the prophetic program is being put on hold. Prophecy is not going to be fulfilled. I'm going to insert this time period of grace, and people can be saved by grace through faith apart from the works of the law. During this time period, Gentiles have direct access to God that they did not have in time past. That continues and has continued so far for almost 2,000 years. But at one point, it will end. And when it ends, the body of Christ will be caught up at the rapture, and then the prophetic clock will resume. Now, we're not told the time and day of when, of when that will happen. There are some people on the internet, and they write books and so on, and they say the rapture is going to happen on day X. And so far, every person that has said that has been wrong. And the reason why they're wrong is the scripture doesn't tell us when it is. Um, scripture describes it as a blessed hope. It's something we should look forward to, but God hasn't chosen to tell us exactly when it's going to happen. Get with me Romans 11. So we're not going to tell you when the rapture occurs for the simple reason we don't have any idea. But we do know what causes it to occur. And what causes it to occur is Romans 11, verse 25. Romans 11, verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so Romans 11.25 describes the fullness of the Gentiles. And here's simply what that is. If you think about time past, in other words, think about Old Testament times, there was a difference between Israel and Gentiles. Ephesians 2 describes Gentiles at that time as without Christ and having no hope. In other words, they were separated from God because God's people was Israel. What God has done during the dispensation of grace is he has concluded all in unbelief that everyone may be saved. In other words, today as a Gentile, do you have to proselyte and become a Jew to be saved? Well, you don't have to do that. All you have to do is to believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. If you believe that, God will save you in an instant, in a moment. Now, here's the, here's the important thing, and here's the sad thing. What happens at the end of the dispensation of grace is that Gentiles reject the gospel. As a group, they say, we're not interested in salvation. We don't care that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. <laughs> We don't want the gospel. 
Well, what does God do then? Well, God respects their free will. And, and, and at the point the Gentiles say, we don't want salvation. We don't want the gospel. We reject it. It's useless. It's pointless. God says, with a sorrowful heart, I'm sure, I will honor your decision. Since you do not want the salvation that's available in Christ, the access I've given you during the dispensation of grace will be cut off, and we will resume things as they were when the time period was put on hold. So if you look over Michelle's one shoulder, you can see the the upper blue line and the lower blue line. You see it again on the other side. And the reason why is things return to as they were. And again, Gentiles are in that position where they are without Christ, having no hope. So if I could just say this to everyone that's on earth today that hears this, you need to believe the gospel. You need to believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. Because if you reject that, Scripture describes you as having no hope. Um, so, so please, please, please do that immediately, if not sooner. And why yeah. would anybody reject a free gift? Yep, Absolutely free, gift. free for eternal life. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, mm-hmm. once they hear, hear about it and able to accept it. Uh, so, and that's, um, that's what um, rapture is. Um, but I've heard about Daniel's 70, 70th week. What is meant by that? So, let's turn to Daniel chapter 9. And while you're turning to Daniel chapter 9, is if you look right behind Michelle's left shoulder, you can see there's a little green thing there. And that is Daniel's 70th week. So after the rapture occurs, and we're back on the prophetic time clock, the prophetic calendar, there's an event called Daniel's 70th week. And we're going to read about it in Daniel chapter 9. So Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. 70 weeks. Now, we normally think of a week as seven days, and sometimes it is that. But in Daniel chapter 9, a week is seven years. So in other words, 70 weeks is 70 times seven years. It's 490 years. So Daniel's 70th week, it's the last group of seven years. So Daniel 9.24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. So if we add those together, we have seven plus three score. A score is 20. So three score, three times 20 is 60. So it says seven weeks and three score and two. So that adds up to 69. Seven plus 60 plus two is 69. So that tells us what about the first 69 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. Verse 26. And after three score and two weeks, so this is after not only the seven weeks, but then the three score and two, shall Messiah be cut off. We know who that is. That's Jesus Christ, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. So what we can see is the first 69 of the 70 weeks were fulfilled from the time of Daniel 
up until the cross where the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was cut off. In verse 27, it's going to tell us about the 70th week, the last of the weeks. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, what is that telling us? Well, in Daniel 9.27, it describes the 70th week. And what happens is the man of sin, the beast, what people commonly call the Antichrist, he makes a covenant with Israel for one week, for seven years. But in the midst of that week, he goes into the temple and causes the temple sacrifice to cease. That period of time, that seven years, is what people commonly refer to as the tribulation. Scripture refers to it as Jacob's trouble. It's God pouring out his wrath on Israel for their disobedience. And so Daniel's 70th week is, is the fulfillment of the long prophesied time of tribulation that finally comes to a conclusion. Now, what we're, what we're doing today, just so you understand, is we saw that the 69th week ended before the cross, the cross occurred. And when in Acts 2, when Peter, speaking by the Holy Spirit, said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, what Peter was saying is the 70th week, the tribulation is about to be fulfilled. But what happened? Well, what God did is he put the pro prophetic program on hold. In other words, he said, I'm not going to pour out wrath just yet. I will, but first the dispensation of grace has to happen. I'm going to give all of mankind an opportunity to be saved before I pour out my wrath, which tells you how important Paul is and how important the time in which we live is because anyone that doesn't get saved during the dispensation of grace is going to be living during the time of God's wrath. Well, that's really not a good plan. It's a much better plan mm -hmm. to get saved today. You got to right. escape it. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you want to put yourself in that position? Yeah. Huge mistake. Definitely. And it's because of God's mercy is reason it's taken so long for one thing, I would think. Mm -hmm. He's been incredibly long suffering. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have one here. Um, who will be in the thousand-year reign? That's the thousand-year reign of Christ. Who will be in that living during that time? So, looking over Michelle's shoulder again, so uh, you can see that little period there with a the little green half circle, and that's the 70th week. And then you see that red arrow that comes down. That's the second coming of Christ. And then you see that yellow castle. That yellow castle is the millennial kingdom. It is the thousand-year earthly reign of Jesus Christ. It occurs after the second coming. People sometimes have discussions about whether the second coming of Christ is amillennial or post-millennial or premillennial. The correct biblical answer is that it is premillennial because Jesus Christ returns prior to the millennium. Now, the question Michael asked was, who's there for that? Who is in the thousand-year reign? Look with me at Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, and let's look at verse 11. 
And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And so what we see there is the Old Testament saints, Israel and the patriarchs and the disciples who were saved during the Lord's earthly ministry, all of the folks that are saved under the prophetic program, they appear in the kingdom. They, in other words, they are resurrected from their graves and they enter into the kingdom. I'll give you a contrast. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1. Now, 2 Corinthians 5 is by Paul. Notice what he says. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved. So what happens when the bodies that we have decay and disintegrate and go away? We have a building of God and house not made with hands. That's our new bodies. And scripture then calls it eternal in the heavens. So where is the body of Christ for eternity? In the heavens. If you think about Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God describes the, the entire universe as having two basic locations, the heavens and the earth. Well, who's going to be on the earth in the millennium and forever? The nation of Israel and those who are saved under the prophetic program. Who's going to be in heaven forever? The body of Christ. In other words, everyone who gets saved during the dispensation of grace in which we live. So we will be in heaven. We are, not, we are not going to come back to the earth at the second coming because according to 2 Corinthians 5, we are eternal in the heavens. So that's, that's the difference between the two. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and that's um, probably one a question that, you know, people do wonder about because it says that, you know, coming back and raising you know, from the dead to join Christ. Uh, so maybe we can look at that when we come back. And we'll be right back after this break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 14th Street Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. Your donations are most appreciated. You can make donations on our website at 14thstreetministries.com. Our goal is to preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. Our message is to lift the believer, teaching sound doctrine by rightly dividing the word of truth. We are a grace ministry. You can reach out to us by calling 314-243-3779 or by contacting us on the web at 14thstreetministries.com or follow our Facebook page. Look for 14th Street Online Bible Study. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. If you are ready to be inspired, 
energized and entertained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com and the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to the radio program why paul if you'd like to participate in today's program call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 or send an email to michael r mix at 14th street ministries.com now back to why paul and we are back uh so we'll continue so did you have some uh, additional question that you wanted to go over david that we have have from our Facebook. Ask them, Michelle. Oh, yeah. Um, So uh, the question is, explain the difference um, between soul and the spirit. People have wondered about this for a long, long time. And I'm sure that my answer will be inadequate, but I'll give you the best of what I know. So we, of course, know that that man is a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit. And we all pretty much understand what the body is. The body is essentially clothing. Right. In other words, we can lose this body and get a new body at the rapture. Uh, it's just like literally taking off an old jacket and putting on a new one. So this body is clothing. But what this body allows us to do is, is it allows us to interact with a physical earth. So it allows us to touch physical things and to walk and to move and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So body is easy. Soul and spirit is more difficult. I would describe it as uh, you are a soul you have a spirit, you are in a body. In other words, you are a soul. The part of you that is you is your soul. Um, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world yet lose his soul? The the soul is the part of you that is eternally you. Your body's not eternally you, right? Because you can get a new body. So your body is something you're in, but it's not something that you fundamentally are because you can get a new one. The spirit is the part of you. The spirit of a man is the part of a man that has the mentality, the understanding of a man. Let me explain it this way. What people will often say about beasts, like cats, dogs, animals, they'll say that beasts have souls but no spirits. Scripturally, that's not a true statement. There's no verse in scripture that says that a beast has a soul. But there are verses that say that a beast has a spirit. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This may be a helpful way to think about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man, 
save the spirit of man which is in him. So the spirit of a man allows him to know the things of a man. The spirit of a beast allows him to know the things of a beast. So I'll give you an example. You know, homing pigeons are amazing, right? I, I mm -hmm. once knew someone that trained homing pigeons. You know the way you train homing pigeons? You put them in your car, you drive them two hours away, you let them out of the cage and they fly home. You don't have to teach them anything, right? You don't have to teach them how to fly home. They know how to fly home. Well, you can't do that with people today, right? People today, if they don't have the GPS in their car, they don't know where they are. <laughs> but, yeah. but the spirit of a beast, the spirit of the homing pigeon allows it to know what to do. Same, same thing with some animals that can sniff things and they can detect things based upon the sense of smell. They have a, an understanding that God gave to them. Well, what the spirit of a man is, God gives man a spirit of a man so they have the, the, the understanding of what a man is, but their soul is the part of them that is eternally them. Unfortunately, what happens to those who are lost is that in eternity, they do not have a spiritual component of their being that is taken from them because the spirit of a man returns to the God who gave it. And so they are just um, the soulish being that uh, receives punishment. So that's sort of a, an unhappy note, but um, that's part of what you need to understand in understanding the difference between the soul and the spirit. And, and just to kind of throw in an odd odd note is I always notice when um, there's plane accidents, airplane accidents, they always say there were this many souls on board. Instead of saying we had this many passengers, I notice that they always referred to it as souls. And we were made in the image of God, right? So Yes, sir. And which is the soul, right? Spirit. Mm -hmm. Soul and spirit. Yep. Which so is, that's that's the difference there. I mean, we're we're eternal beings, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was a good question. Okay. You had another one too, didn't Michelle? That. Uh, the uh, yeah, the other question was um, if, which is it's kind of a little odd, but if it says that um, once we're you know once we pass away, we're with Christ, uh, if we've known Christ. Um, but but it says that the Christ will rise from the grave to um, be with Christ at the rapture. So body if we're, yeah, the body. Yeah. So how will that happen if we're already with Christ, if we've already passed away? Yeah. So the, the, what, what the question there gets to, I believe, is when, when Scripture says the dead in Christ shall rise mm -hmm. first, um, I don't believe the rising there is a vertical upward movement. In other words, like when you think of rising, you sometimes think of things going up. Um, when it says the dead in Christ shall rise first, well, the dead are already with Christ, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Mm -hmm. yeah. the, the, the rising there is a reference to them receiving their bodies, which they don't have. In other words, here's what happens right now. Let, let's say someone dies today during the dispensation of grace. Well, their body, their physical body goes in the ground. Where does their soul go? Their soul goes up to the third heaven to be with God, to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. So their soul is already present in heaven at that time, but the soul doesn't have a body because you don't get a new body until the rapture. So they're there in, in heaven with God. They're happy, of course, they're content, but they do not have a body. And when 1 Thessalonians 4 talks about the dead in Christ shall rise first, it's a reference to the fact that they get their bodies at the rapture. When that, that, that's when they get them. 
Hmm. That's interesting. Thank you. Puts in a good perspective. Our pleasure. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty. Um, I have a question. Okay. Okay. Who will be in the great white judgment? Yeah. So we're, we're looking at the chart behind Michelle on the far right. There's a, there's a throne there and it says great white throne judgment. Let's look at revelation chapter 20. People have an understanding uh, to some degree of the great white throne judgment. It's what in man's parlance would be called judgment day where, where men appear before God. And so man's understanding is not perfectly accurate. Um, it has some things that are right, but not all of it. So look with me at Revelation 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. That's pretty intimidating, isn't it? The, mm-hmm. the universe literally recedes. It disappears, and the lost are there. By the way, the great white throne judgment is not for saved people. It's for lost people. They appear before God's great white throne. Verse 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So what happens to the dead, and it says both small and great, both those that are impoverished and are, you know, thought of as inconsequential in this life, as well as billionaires and presidents and kings, they all, all the lost appear before the great white throne judgment. And what it says there is they're judged out of those things which were written in the books. Here's what happens. You and I don't remember every sin we've ever committed. We, we don't because our memory just isn't that great. But there are books that record every sin that the lost man has ever committed. And so when he stands trial at the great white thread judgment, those books are opened and they display in painstaking, accurate detail. Here are the crimes you have committed against God, the father, every single one of them. And since you refused the blood payment of Jesus Christ, you have to answer for all of these yourself. That's the reality. God's justice is perfect. He doesn't falsely convict anyone of anything, but he does convict everyone of everything that they actually did, which is a a shocking thing to think about. Because if you just think for a minute, do you think you commit more than one sin a day? Well, that's 365 a year times if you live to be 50. I mean, you have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of sins that you're going to give account for. It's very, very scary. Verse 13, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. So basically, every all the compartments of the universe release their, their dead to appear before the great white throne judgment. Verse 14, verse 13, and they were judged every man according to their works. They're not judged according to grace. They're not judged according to forgiveness. They're judged according to what they did. Verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Men have a saying, out of the frying pan, into the fire. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there are people Mm -hmm. in Revelation 20 that are released from hell, and they are subsequently thrown into the lake of fire. So verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. If you're a saved person, you are born twice 
and you may die once, right? You're born physically as an infant, and then you are born spiritually when you believe the gospel, and you die when you physically die, but you don't suffer spiritual death. If you're a lost person, you're born once, you're born physically when you're an infant, and you die physically at the end of your life, but there's something here called the second death, and that is the death of being cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. Look at verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. When you read the scriptures, it's clear that all of the following things end up in the lake of fire. The beast, the false prophet, Satan, Satan's angels, his, his devils, they are thrown into there. Death is thrown into there. Hell is thrown into there, and all the lost are thrown into there. Essentially, what God does is he puts everything that he hates in the lake of fire. And so, again, this is a theme from tonight, but listen, you, you, you must, must, must believe the gospel today. If you don't, the future that awaits you is, is so tragically horrible that you will regret not having believed it. Tell us about our sins as a believer. That's a great question. Mm -hmm. Our sins as a believer are dealt with because the Lord Jesus Christ paid for them on the cross. See, the beauty of what Christ did is scripture says that God made him to be sin for us who mm -hmm. knew no sin. The, the, the perfect lamb of God, Jesus Christ, bore our sins. He paid the penalty so that we don't have to. And so we will never be judged for our sin because it has been judged on the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross. Hallelujah. In other words, he paid for it. He absolutely did. That's yeah. right. He yeah. shed his blood for our sins. When, when you look at Romans 3, it has a beautiful phrase, and it's, it's faith in his blood. Mm -hmm. You know how you get saved today? You don't get saved by tithing or joining a church or getting water baptized or doing a bunch of good works. You get saved by having faith in his blood. In other words, by trusting the blood payment that Jesus Christ made for you. If you do that, you are eternally saved in an instant, in a moment, when you believe in what he did for you. Yeah, that's a beautiful plan. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. And such an easy, uh, free gift to believe. It is free. Yeah, and not not um, you know nothing added to it, nothing you know complicated. Uh, it's made for everyone to understand and just to accept that. That's right. That's right. Uh, um, just as a Facebook uh, listener says, you know, past, present, and future sins all have been forgiven. Amen. Yes, that's right. Robin. Colossians says we've been forgiven of all trespasses. Well. If we've been forgiven of all trespasses, that includes past, present, and future. Yeah, all all kind of means that, I guess. <laughs> yes. There is no sin that we commit that God is shocked. He's like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. then we're all going to be surprising them. So, yes, yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, that was, um, we were able to get through all those questions. Uh, so, we um, thank you for everyone who posted in our Facebook, uh, send in questions, uh, and we'll um, join us next week, and we'll um, continue next week. So, thank you for joining us. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
have been listening to Why Paul? Visit us on the web at 14thStreetMinistries.com. And please join Michael R. Mix, Michelle Mix, and Pamela Lampton again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for more thoughts and wisdom. Also, be sure to tell everyone about our program. 